Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, September 27th. According to the Jewish Halal calendar, Sukkot this year falls on Friday, September 29th at sunset and goes through Friday, October 6th through nightfall. Shemini Atzeret, or the eighth day of assembly, immediately follows Sukkot and is observed as a separate holiday in the diaspora. It falls on Friday, October 6th, sunset, and goes through Saturday, October 7th, sunset. Sukkot is associated with the Messianic era after Yeshua has returned and is ruling and reigning for a thousand years. All nations of the world will be required to keep the Feast of Tabernacles during the Messianic era. See Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 to 19. Here is the spiritual journey in a nutshell. This journey is represented by Passover, putting the blood of the Lamb upon the doorposts of our heart, and is followed by Pentecost or Shavuot, which is associated with the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, and then going into the Promised Land, Zion, which is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, thus finishing the spiritual journey. In keeping Passover, we put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of our heart. This is salvation. Then, in coming to Mount Sinai, Yeshua said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If we do this, then we enter into a marriage covenant with him, and we will get to dwell with and Sukkot with Yeshua at Mount Zion, Jerusalem, when he returns to rule and reign during the Messianic era. Sukkot is associated with the cloud of glory being present. The tabernacle is the place of dwelling where the glory of the Lord resides and rests. The glory of the Lord is a consuming fire. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion for Feast of Tabernacles. Deuteronomy 34, 1-12 
Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for thirty days, until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. Isaiah 51, 1-53, 12 Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, who gave birth to your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. The Lord will comfort Israel again and have pity on her ruins. Her desert will blossom like Eden, her barren wilderness like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. Listen to me, my people, hear me, Israel, for my law will be proclaimed, and my justice will become a light to the nations. My mercy and justice are coming soon. My salvation is on the way. My strong arm will bring justice to the nations. All distant lands will look to me and wait in hope for my powerful arm. Look up to the skies above and gaze down on the earth below, for the skies will disappear like smoke, and the earth will wear out a piece of clothing. The people of the earth will die like flies, but my salvation lasts forever. My righteous rule will never end. 
Listen to me, you who know right from wrong, you who cherish my law, my Torah, in your hearts. Do not be afraid of people's scorn, nor fear their insults. For the moth will devour them as it devours clothing. The worm will eat at them as it eats wool. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation will continue from generation to generation. Wake up, wake up, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Flex your mighty right arm. Rouse yourself as in the days of old when you slew Egypt, the dragon of the Nile. Are you not the same today, the one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths so that your people could cross over? Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. I, yes, I, am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass? So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your Creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It is gone. Soon, all you captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot. And I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says to Israel, You are my people. Wake up! Wake up, O Jerusalem! You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. Not one of your children is left alive to take your hand and guide you. These two calamities have fallen on you, desolation and destruction, famine and war. And who is left to sympathize with you? Who is left to comfort you? For your children have fainted and lie in the streets, helpless as antelopes caught in a net. The Lord has poured out his fury. God has rebuked them. But now listen to this, you afflicted ones, who sit in a drunken stupor, though not from drinking wine. This is what the Sovereign Lord, your God and Defender, says. See, I have taken the terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. Instead, I will hand that cup to your tormentors. Those who said, We will trample you into the dust and walk on your backs. Wake up, wake up, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. For unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. 
Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says. When I sold you into exile, I received no payment. Now I can redeem you without having to pay for you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Long ago my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? asks the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again, those who rule them about in exultation? My name is blasphemed all day long, but I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know me and know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy, for before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. Get out, get out and leave your captivity where everything you touch is unclean. Get out of there and purify yourselves. You who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord, you will not leave in a hurry running for your lives, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. 
He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Ephesians 5, 1-33 Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. 
Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the Church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Psalm 69, 19-36 You, Lord, know of my shame scorn and disgrace. You see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart, and I am in despair. If only one person would show some pity, if only one would turn and comfort me. But instead, they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. Let the bountiful table set before them become a snare, and their prosperity become a trap. Let their eyes go blind, so they cannot see, and make their bodies shake continually. Pour out your fury on them, consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes become desolate, and their tents be deserted. To the one you have punished, they add insult to injury. They add to the pain of those you have hurt. Pile their sins high up, and don't let them go free. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. I am suffering and in pain. 
Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged, for the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land, and those who love him will live there safely. Proverbs 24, 7 Wisdom is too lofty for fools. Among leaders at the city gate, they have nothing to say. I want to speak to you out of the chapters that we read today from Isaiah, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5. And so in Isaiah chapter 51, starting in verse 10, it is written, Are you not the same today, the one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths, so that your people could cross over? That is a direct reference to the escape through the Red Sea when the Lord walled up the waters and they walked through the Dead Sea, the waters, or not the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, pardon me, the Red Sea. Um, and he walled up the waters and they walked right on through. And so there are some verses here in this chapter that are hinting at the greater exodus to come, that God is going to do this again. He's going to ingather his scattered people from all the nations of the earth, gather them and lead them on a journey back to Israel. Verse 11 and 12. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. And so there's the verse talking about how he's going to bring them back, bring them back to the land of Israel. And he's already begun this process with the southern kingdom, with Judah, that is the Jews. Ever since May of 1948, the land of Israel has now become a place of refuge for Jews that were being persecuted and tormented throughout all the nations, that they could leave from Ethiopia and Russia and France and wherever throughout Europe and return to the land of Israel. Continuing on in verse 13, Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It is gone. Soon all you captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. Now, this verse really speaks at many levels. It can speak to the Jewish people especially in the last 50 years, 
um, that they don't have to stay in the nations where they've been in captivity, where they've been oppressed, where the Holocaust happened in Germany and Poland, that they can leave and return to the land of Israel. And that certainly applies to them. But it also has even a new layer of meaning and understanding for all of God's people, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. Because right now, in the world that we're living in, we are living in a world of tyranny. And with all the mask mandates and quarantining, and now they want to get that going again, starting in mid-September, uh, with the TSA wearing, masking up and quarantining and uh, people not being allowed to fly unless they wear the mask or unless they take the jab or take a COVID test. This is such tyranny. And I just watched a short video, um, Common Law in America is the YouTube channel. And it was the most recent one that was produced. And it was talking about how administrative law and the administrative state is completely unlawful and unconstitutional. It's like the fourth branch of government. So we have the executive branch. We have the legislative branch where the legislators make laws, the executive branch, which is the president, that implements or executes the law. And we have the judicial branch that is supposed to interpret the law if there's a question about it. But we have this fourth branch called the administrative branch of government composed of the three-letter agencies like FBI, Department of Justice, Homeland Security, um, EPA, and they make thousands and thousands and thousands of administrative laws. They're not elected, but they make all these laws. And as a case in point, the EPA is now after big Berkey water filters. And they're trying to say, oh, well, uh, your filters are a pesticide, so you can't make that anymore and you can't ship it and sell it. And they're not picking on any of the other water purification companies that make filters like Zero One, Zero Water, um, and other companies like Pure, they're just picking on Big Berkey. And it's an administrative law that they're forcing upon them that's costing them millions and millions of dollars. And so Big Berkey, the CEO, is actually now suing the EPA. Good for him. Because actually administrative law and the administrative state, which is like a fourth branch of government, is how tyranny creeps in. Because it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful, it's illegal. And so we are under oppression from a tyrannical, out-of-control government. Continuing on now in verses 17 and 18, Wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem, you have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. I can speak to that uh, regarding terrorism in the land of Israel. I was there for six weeks um, in February, March, and part of April. And while I was there, there were three terrorist attacks. One that involved a mother and her two daughters who were driving in their own hometown in Efrat, and they were killed execution style from a terrorist shooter who shot like an assassin right through the windows of the car, killed the two daughters right in front of the mother, 
The mother was grievously injured and a few days later died of her wounds, leaving the rabbi who was married to her without a wife and without his two daughters. Another attack happened in Harawa, and it's a Palestinian town that is halfway between Mount Gerizim and Jerusalem. And as you descend from that area, you have to go through Harawa. There's no other way. They really, what they should do is either take take over Harawa and um, or or build a road around it, completely around it, so that you don't have to go through. So there was one American uh, Marine, ex-Marine, who has dual citizenship for Israel and for the United States. Again, it was another execution-style attempted assassination. The shooter shot right through the car window, but they chose the wrong guy. He got out of the car, pulled out his pistol, shot back at the terrorist, mortally wounding him, and then he applied his own tourniquet to his bleeding, calmed down his wife, and walked to the ambulance. He survived. So terrorism is on a huge uptick in Israel right now, and it, it the whole town rallies around the family when someone is killed through terrorism. But it's a lot of grief and a lot of suffering and a lot of sorrow that they are going through right now. But the Lord is saying that he's going to put a stop to all this terrorism. Verse 22. This is what the Sovereign Lord, your God and Defender, says. See, I have taken the terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. Instead, I will hand that cup to your tormentors, those who said, We will trample you into the dust and walk on your backs. So that is very, very encouraging. So now I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 53. And um, anytime you see or read um, my right hand, my right arm, that is code. That is a Hebraic idiomatic expression, and it's referring to Yeshua. That the right hand or the right arm of the Father is his son, Yeshua. And so actually I'm going to back up to Isaiah chapter 52, verses 11 and 12. Get out, get out and leave your captivity where everything you touch is unclean. Get out of there and purify yourselves, you who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. You will not leave in a hurry running for your lives, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. So I again, these two verses, I believe, are a remez hint hinting at the greater exodus to come, that there's a time coming when we will have to come out of her, my people, come out of Babylon. And we've talked about how um, the daughter of Babylon nation, that end times nation, the hindermost nation, that is the youngest nation, is going to come under military attack, see Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, and be utterly destroyed, but that the Lord has a, a plan to protect his remnant people, and to provide for them, protect them, and lead them on a journey home to Israel. So these two verses are talking about there's a time coming when it's time to flee. Now let's jump into Isaiah chapter 53. And this chapter opened up to me in a whole new way. This chapter is, of course, talking all about Yeshua 
that he was, uh, who has the Lord revealed his own powerful arm. That's Isaiah 53, chapter chapter 53, verse 1. His own powerful arm is a reference to Yeshua. Um, Now, this chapter is a forbidden chapter amongst the Jewish people. They never, ever read Isaiah chapter 53 because it so clearly points to Yeshua, the Messiah. It, It talks about how he was pierced for our transgressions and that by his stripes we are healed. And Yeshua was pierced on when he was crucified and nailed to the tree, to the cross. So the Isaiah 53 scroll was discovered in Qumran. It was a Dead Sea scroll, and, and they made a whole museum out of it, built a museum in Jerusalem, and put the Isaiah 53 scroll in that museum in a perfectly controlled environment. The, the building looks like an upside-down, well, it looks like a chocolate kiss, but it has it's all white, not silver. And you go inside, and it's perfectly temperature-controlled. So, it's a forbidden chapter, um, but there are some real gems in here I wanted to pull out. Uh, Verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Verse 4, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. So we all know the un- and understand the principle that Yeshua, Jesus, died for our sins. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. That when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we put our faith in Christ, in Yeshua, and believe on him, that he saves us, and he died for our sins in our place. But here's the new principle that really set me free from some things that I want to pass on to you. Yeshua also died for our sorrows. He was a man well acquainted with deepest grief, and he carries our sorrows. So, Have you known some sorrows in this life, going through the pandemic, being quarantined, being separated or isolated from loved ones or family members? Perhaps some in the family lean one way concerning concerning the jab and other members lean another direction concerning the jab and have taken it and taken the booster, and taken yet another booster. Perhaps some family members, aunts or uncles, grandparents, have died. Not necessarily the next day or the next week, but a year later, a heart attack, a stroke, cancer, myocarditis. Anyway, whatever it is, whatever sorrow it is that you have borne, Yeshua died for your sorrows. And when I got that principle, that understanding, that aha, it was like, okay, I'm going to take all my sorrows, the grief that I have borne, and put it in a ginormous, huge duffel bag, so to speak, and bring that duffel bag, bring that big sack, and just bring it to the cross, 
and nail it there, leave it there. That the the sorrow and the grief that I've carried, I'm going to just give it to Yeshua. It's more than I can bear. It's more than you can bear. We are sheep. Sheep are not burden-bearing animals. Donkeys, oxen, horses, they can carry weight. They can carry burden. But sheep are not meant or designed to carry weight or burden. Yeshua died, beloved, for your sorrows. Give your sorrows to him. Bring it to the cross and leave it there. So I want to finish with a positive, encouraging, uplifting note. Ephesians chapter 5. And we will look at this verse, verse 7 and 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And it goes on to say in verse 14, For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So live as children of light today. Shine the light of Yeshua who dwells within you to those people around you. Love on other people with his light. Now, the last thing I want to uh, bring forward to you is um, the closing verses from Ephesians chapter 5. And it talks about how Christ loved the church. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 29, no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. Recently, someone sent me a link to a YouTube video of a teacher that she enjoys following, and I listened for about 10 minutes, and then I just couldn't stomach it any further. Um, This person was just lambasting the mainstream Christian church. And and it, he had such a tone of voice of great anger and condemnation against the, the mainstream Christian church. And though what he was saying, the content of his message may have had some truth to it, his whole tone of voice and his whole attitude, the spirit that he was speaking in was just anger and condemnation and criticism and judgment. And I just couldn't stomach it. So beloved, there are imperfections, many faults in the mainstream church. Um, Are there problems? Of course. Are there people, leaders in the mainstream church that the big mega churches that all they care about is just, you know, the offering plate and the money that they're getting. Yeah, that's true. Yes, there are faults, but you know what? Yeshua loves the church and he died 
for the church. We are not to be such separatists and such um, arrogant, arrogant in our mindset that we think that we're so superior to or better than the mainstream church. No, we are to have a heart and hands to reach out to and to love on our Sunday Christians. And there are things we can learn from them. We need to be ambassadors and be willing to build relationship and build love with our Jewish counterparts, with our Sunday Christian counterparts. We're not to be separatist and elitist. And anytime you hear somebody bashing the church, that's a wrong spirit. Yeshua loves the church. He died for the church. He loves the Jewish people. He died for the Jewish people. He spoke um, when he was overlooking Jerusalem like a day or two before he died. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, um, how I would that I would be as a mother hen and take you like baby chicks under my wing. But you would not. He didn't criticize and condemn them. His heart was broken. And from the cross, he spoke these words concerning those who had him crucified. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He longs to bring the Jewish people into that place of under his wings, under the wings of the Almighty. For them to know him personally, for them to know Yeshua for their salvation. He longs for that. And so it's the same heart that he loves the church and died for the church. And are there faults? Of course there are. There's For hundreds of years, there was the replacement theology doctrine of devils, you know, that somehow the church has replaced Israel. Nothing could be further from the truth. So don't be involved in criticizing or condemning the church. And if you're in a conversation with someone who is doing that, put a stop to it. Say something. Yeshua loves the church and died for the church. And he cares for the church. Okay, have a blessed day. And we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekka Adonai Vish Merekka Yeah Adonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. 
Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.